Go check out one of the hottest clothing brands out right now. That's called Clot. This street brand is fire. Man, they got all the jeans, t-shirts, accessories, and even some sneakers. So go check it out right now. That's K-C-L-O-T dot com. And use promo code Brandon Jordan Comedy to get your discount. What up, though? Welcome to a new episode of Don't Blame Me, Blame Detroit uh, with your boy Brandon Jordan. And um, I got a special guest with me today. Um, one of these guys, I've been seeing his videos online. And so I said, you know, I, I got to have the opportunity to sit down and talk to him and get to know him myself, uh, especially because uh, he interviewed one of my favorite people, uh, Keisha E. Oh wow. wow! One of the homies right there, you know, and uh, and I said, you know, I got to sit down and put him on the other other side of the chair today. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I want, so I want to welcome to the podcast, man, David Tinsley, man. How you doing, bro? Man, thank you. I was uh, that would that was the question that I was going to ask you in terms of how was the connection made, but yeah, Keisha, Keisha E is is out. She she a fool, man. She crazy, man. So. uh <laughs> But I love her, man. So no, I, I'm doing uh doing great, man. And I'm I'm uh it's a little weird being on this other side, you know, because I've <laughs> been so used to asking the question. So uh, but I'm looking forward to getting into it, man. I checked out a lot of your stuff too, so mm -hmm. I'm a fan. Yeah, and what's uh what's so crazy is like in this podcast space, I'm still new at this. Mm. Like each uh year that I didn't started it, I didn't change the format of how I've been doing it each year almost trying to you know just trying to figure out the niche and find what fits and trying to figure out you know what's grabbing the um the people's attention mm. and this year i just i feel i'm getting into a groove this year where i'm really finding you know saying my space and exactly what i want to do because i don't like the traditional just sit down and just ask a question and then just let the person just talk you know, I want to get into a real conversation, you know, about different things. And that's why I never really, like, people be hitting me up that I have guests there, but so what are we going to talk about? I don't know. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Let's, I want to just sit there and we just go wherever the conversation goes. You don't want it to feel too uh, contrived or formulaic, I guess, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, this is not NBC News. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is, you know, I really just want to just talk. And, you know, and wherever it goes, and then what I do is, is that I have things, you know, that I have written down just in case the conversation doesn't flow. Mm -hmm. I feel like, okay, well, let's, you know, I be in, okay, let's talk about this. You know what I mean? And let's yeah. get it in. You got that fallback plan just in case. Yeah. Right. But, uh, so just, so tell me about your, we got to start off, man. Just tell me about yourself though. Like, how did you get into where um the space that you in and and where you from and all that stuff man i'm from the uh east side of detroit all over the east side man so uh you know promenade dickerson warren copland seven mile and manning i'm, I'm all over the east side pretty much okay. I, grew, I grew up on the east side uh my mother raised me sister kind of co-raised me because i have a, a older sister who's five years older than me um it was just us in the house um i ended up going to Cass Tech, graduated from there in 2002, went to University of Michigan uh, up in Ann Arbor, graduated from there in 2006, uh, got my degree in interdisciplinary engineering, and I minored in African-American theater. 
So I always kind of had a, a love and a fascination for the arts. And then with the engineering thing, I was good at math. So I just, you know, my mother kind of planted that seed in me early and thank God she did because it allowed me to be able to take care of myself uh, once I ended up going to LA to pursue acting. Okay. Uh, so, so that's kind of the, the story in a nutshell. I graduated from University of Michigan. I, I lived in, the, in India, the country India for six months because I had to train for this software engineer position. Uh, that landed me in Arizona for a year. And then from there, I went to LA and I lived in LA from 2009 all the way up to 2018 before moving back here to Detroit, Michigan, my hometown. So. Okay. So we already got some things, you know, similar by our, our backgrounds. From the east side of Detroit. Nice, nice. Okay. <laughs> seven mile on Ryan. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what's up. That's over there by uh like First. my off of Davidson. Yep. It was like a prison over there off of Mile. Yep. yep. Okay. And I was always told that's where I was gonna end up. Damn. <laughs> that's where I always was told. They said, you know, growing up, you know, uh people, you know, people, you know, especially like teachers and stuff, man, like. Uh, my mother didn't want me to go after I graduated from elementary. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to any more Detroit public school. Wow. My mother was like, you know, I don't want you in that, you know, I don't want you in that space, which I, you know, ha I'm at that time I was mad because, you know, I want to go to school with all the neighborhood kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but now as I look back, I appreciate it because if I would have continued down that path, I probably wouldn't graduate high school. Yeah. And you know, and teachers, you know, growing up, you know, we had predominantly white teachers and they would tell us like, they, i never forget this, in seventh grade was told, you probably gonna end up in prison. You know, wow. you know, and it's like, okay, wow, because I got into this little bit of trouble. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like the typical school trouble, you know, they're like, if you don't get, yeah, if you don't get your act together, you're gonna end up in prison, you know? And so, yeah, I, like I said, I grew up on the East side, uh, I didn't travel. I didn't move quite a bit. Mm. I didn't live in Atlanta. Uh, I lived a little bit in New York for a little bit. Um, I didn't live in Memphis, Texas, and now I'm here in LA. So, what, 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 out of all those places, where did you like living the most? LA. LA, I got I've you. Been in, you know, I, you know, besides Detroit, because I grew up in Detroit. I didn't mm -hmm. leave Detroit until I was 27. Oh, wow. Okay. When I first left and moved to a different city when I was 27. So, but out of all them cities, I didn't live in LA the longest. Damn, um, nice. Which is crazy because LA is probably one of the least places I like. <laughs> so it's like a gift in the curve. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, what well, okay. it is, and see, and it's different talking to you because you have the experience to know some of the things that I, I I'm talking about when I talk about LA. Yeah, LA is good for what it is. Mm -hmm. I tell people, all the people hit me up all the time, like, "Man, I want to move to LA. I want to move to LA." Mm -hmm. And I tell them, I say, "Okay, let's be realistic about the situation. Mm -hmm. If you're not in entertainment, if you're not moving here for a high quality job." Yeah. Or you're not from here with family here is no reason to move to L.A. Facts. It's yeah. the only three reasons that I will understand that you move. To oh, and the fourth one is that you're just rich. <laughs> That's it. 
Them yeah, are the yeah. top only four reasons that I can respect someone moving to LA. Because yeah. that, outside of that, is no reason to move here. Your quad, if you're if you're making a um an average quality of life income, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up to live almost a poor lifestyle moving to LA. Yeah. LA is is not just a place where you just up live. It's it's <laughs> I got so many things about this city, but it's like you know, I know what you mean. Cause I love the um like the number one thing I hate about here and is that I don't like the way of life. Mm. Meaning I don't have an issue paying two thousand dollars worth of rent. Mm. I don't have an issue paying that. But what I have an issue is is that if I'm paying two thousand, give me two thousand dollars at least close to worth it. Mm. Worth it. I shouldn't be paying, I shouldn't be living in a six hundred square foot studio for two thousand dollars. Damn. Yeah, yeah. When I lived when I uh when I was in Texas, and I understand I understand that the economies are different. But if I'm in Texas, no reason I should be paying a thousand dollars for twelve hundred square feet. That Damn. just that just that just too much of a of a difference. Yeah, me. yeah. So you saying twelve hundred, you paying a thousand, mm-hmm. and then cut that in half, twelve hundred, and now you are paying two thousand and <clears throat> right. It should be some form of a balance. Yeah. That's what I'm, you know, and I mean, and that's the type of things that I don't, you know, say I don't care about. Like, it's yeah. just the way of life here, man. Yeah. What, what, what eventually made you move? Uh, it, everything that you basically are saying. I mean, my wife moved out to LA in 2011, right? So two years after I got there, we were long distance for four and a half years because wow. after I graduated from Michigan, she had to do another four. And like another four years, she had another half year of undergrad left, and then she had to do four more years on top of that, a grad school. So when she graduated, her residency was at UCLA. So she moved out to to LA, and we loved it, man. When we, when we didn't have kids, right? <laughs> you know? And then as soon as we had our first kid, we both looked at each other one day and was like, "Nah, we can't raise no kids. <laughs> not only that, we're not getting the most for our buck if we're thinking uh-huh. about." trying to save and you know trust funds and and sort all that type of stuff you know LA is not necessarily a place like you said conducive to somebody even making low six figures and being able to to really live a comfortable life and put up something for the future so and we wanted to be around our our parents because every time we would come home to visit we see our parents our our mother our our dads you know they aging gracefully and we missing so much of it and I didn't have close relationships with my grandparents as a child because my mm-hmm. grandmother's mom side passed away when my mom was like 16, 17. So I had never met her. And her and, and her father lived in Georgia, right? So he would come mm-hmm. home to still wasn't really close with him like that. And he passed away when I was probably around eight or nine or something like that. And then my dad, he was adopted, you know, at birth, never knew his real parents and was abused by adopted parent and all so I don't even know that side and um and that's the reason why we came home because I always wanted to make sure that if I had kids they would have a close relationship with their grandparents because I just think that's something that I did miss and I would be somewhat jealous of other kids mm-hmm. who can parents house for the weekend because grandparents are just gonna like their whole job is to redeem themselves I guess from all the bad shit they did as parents yeah. so <laughs> as like a way of redeeming themselves and that's the reason why they just love on them and you know they're not punishing them and obviously or not punish them 
not punishing them as much as their their parents. And then obviously there's so much wisdom you can get from grandparents, you know? Right. So sort of our kids had that opportunity, man. And that's why we moved back. Okay. Now I tell you this is like, cause I'm, I actually uh, about to get ready to come visit Detroit soon. Nice. nice. Uh, cause my grandmother is turning 90. And ah. they're doing a, a big party for her and everything. And this is one thing about being in the business that people, a lot of people that, that don't understand is not in it, you know, about being in entertainment. It's the sacrifices you have to make Oof. when it comes to your family, friends, relationships in this mm. business. You know, my family don't understand some of the decisions I have to make when it comes to, you know, my everyday life, moving life, like for example, this trip that I'm making to Detroit, financially, I really can I really shouldn't be doing it. I, I shouldn't be doing it at all. But it was, I do want to see my grandmother. But on the other hand, if I didn't come, so much pain my mother is gonna have for, for me not coming. Oh yeah. It's gonna it's gonna tear me up. So yeah. because right now I'm Putting my, I'm putting all my money into a web series that I'm creating. Nice. Every dime that I can put to the towards it is going towards it. Plus mm -hmm. my everyday life. Yeah. So especially with all the, then with these flights, I don't know what it is about Detroit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is about Detroit, but yeah. I can fly to Hawaii for half the cost that it costs me to fly to Detroit right now. <laughs> I, I don't. That's I don't give a shit. But the, with the price, prices being so crazy, I was trying my hardest not to dip into that fund mm -hmm. finance this trip. Yeah, but, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I'm coming because I, I want to be there and my family want me there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm coming. But it's just saying like these sacrifices that you got to make in this business just to try to get ahead and do things. Man, is it, people think like it's just like you just being selfish and, and not being considerate to others, but sometimes you got to make these tough decisions. No, I mean, liking it to somebody who's like, and you really, it's not the same as being in the service, obviously, but mm -hmm. people service may not call back home often because they out there, their, their mind is out there and they don't want this to, to be a weakness, right? They're out there to survive. So that's what happens a lot of times when people go to LA. It's like, I'm out here to work. And this ain't nothing thrilled about necessarily. I don't like the fact that I can't go and visit my mom or my grandma or whatever the case may be, but I believe in this dream and, and I'm and I'm suffering and I understand the sacrifice required in doing that and I accept it, you know, and, and, and it comes with it. But you try to find that balance of saying, okay, well, yeah, you know, I might've missed three opportunities to go back home this year okay, this opportunity with my grandma turning 90, maybe I should sacrifice on that. And it's hard. It's that, finding mm -hmm. that trivial at all, you know, but I understand exactly where you're coming from, man. There were times where my mother would, like, it, it hurt her a, a lot. And I didn't realize this time I moved back. We had a conversation where she cried because she was like, mm -hmm. I don't understand why you wasn't coming home on Christmas. She was like, you're torturing yourself, just sitting there surrounded by four walls. You know what I'm saying? My <laughs> family. And, you know, it was hard for me because every time I would come back home, it was a reminder of what I hadn't accomplished in LA. So yeah. I just back there to, to, to make sure that all of this stuff that I was doing and not being able to be there with my family wasn't in vain. So it's a tough road, man. Yeah. Like, Oh, this is the foot is right here. So when I made the decision to go 
to uh L- to leave to leave to go to LA. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, I had like three people hit me up. Was like, hey man, you available this day? You available this day? Like, man, I've been trying to do this for a couple <laughs> months now. Now the day that I that I'm flying out, all of a sudden you hitting me up talking about are you available? Actually, one dude didn't even ask me if I was available. He literally just DM me the flyer with my face on it. Oh shit. It was and was and I look at it, I'm like, we haven't had no conversation about <laughs> no date or anything. He just no. inboxed me and said, and basically he's like, you on the show. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not available. And he's like, all right, man, you know. Like, what kind of shit is that? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. But no, I exactly where you're coming from with all that, man. And I sacrificed you know, many years and I don't regret it. I'm glad I got a chance to experience it. Uh, and it, it kind of gave me an opportunity to find out what it is I really wanted, you know, because when I, was, I didn't know if I really wanted what was out there, right. you know, but no, unless you go pursue it. And then you just hope that you'll end up where you're supposed to be at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. So I it, man, we love being out there. We love being able to go to Big Bear, you know, experience some snow and then the next weekend go to the beach in Santa Monica. Right beautiful thing man hike somewhere it was um i think the culture some of the good things that we picked up from the culture because there's a lot of negative or bad things but I no, it's a lot of good things too yeah you know the whole healthy lifestyle like mm-hmm. I, and my mom be like when the last time you ate i'm like man this shit <laughs> <laughs> you know so that's something that we were able to bring back here and yeah. also parents will come visit they would experience it too like all of the vegan stuff and this that and the third so mm-hmm. it was some Brought back, man. No, it, it's funny because uh, I remember the first time I came to visit LA before I moved, we went to Jack in the Box, right? Mm. <laughs> I went to Jack in the Box. Me and my homeboy, we, it was like, it was late. We was leaving the comedy show, went to Jack in the Box on Sunset. Mm-hmm. And walked in and I went to go get so, uh, what I thought was sweet tea. So, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> so I poured it and I started drinking. I said, this shit tastes bland as hell. Like, it's just like, I'm just drinking like water or something. And I'm like, hey, y'all, wrong, something wrong with y'all, you know, sugar or something here, whatever. They're like, no, nah, that's unsweetened tea. I said, who serves unsweetened tea? <laughs> a fast food place at that, right? <laughs> and they was like, and, and it was like, no, nah, that's that's an LA thing. Like, is you know, the more on the healthier. I was like, wow. Never heard of no shit like that. I said, I, <laughs> I'm saying I'm I'm used to all the diabetes, you know what I'm saying? Like, no nah, man, but you know what you're saying is 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 crazy because um I have a lot of friends that are vegans. Mm-hmm. And I have tried some vegan stuff. I'm not a big the biggest fan of it, but actually living out here has opened my eyes up to a lot more alternative things that are more healthier options versus yeah. what I grew up on. Now yeah. I'm not totally changed, but mm-hmm. I have um, changed some things. And you're conscious of it too now. And more conscious of knowing. Like, I never went to the grocery store in my life and read the, read the ingredients before yeah, I moved yeah. to LA. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking like, they got what in here? Oh, no, I've got to put this back. <laughs> Versus, you know, and but the thing about it is, is that here in LA, you have more options when it comes to shopping, especially depending on where you live. Mm-hmm. You live more like where I live at in the valley. You have yeah. options when it comes to shopping in grocery stores versus like in Detroit. 
Mm-hmm. You don't have that many options. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In the grocery stores. You have your Kroger's. The, if you live close to a Walmart or a Meyer, and then that's it. Well, unless you like somewhere on the outskirts of Detroit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Gross Point or something, you might yeah, you you to- get a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's the accessibility and and um and that's and then also the, like you said, the knowledge is more knowledgeable out here versus a lot of more um other cities. Yeah, because so- you're surrounded by it. I mean, that's the whole purpose of uh, an artist wanting to go to LA, like because you around a bunch of people who good at what they do, and if you mm-hmm. want to be the do, you want to be around the best. And people don't understand that it's not the same. Like people think that, oh well, I could do the same thing in Detroit. Yeah, maybe, but it's only so you're get so good at what you do if you're not around people who are really fucking good at what they do. Excuse my language, if I no, you cuss off, you say wherever you want. Cool, cool. But yeah, so so I agree with you, man. It's like being around people who are more health conscious. Even if I'm not following what they're doing to a T, it's better than being around people who ain't even thinking about it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I was I had a I had Amanda Seals on here. Um I saw that. I said, oh, this dude right here doing it. Big, not the biggest fan of her her views, uh politically speaking, but I respect her success and I respect her hustle. So I, I thought that was a dope interview. So one of the things me and her talked about, and I told her, I said, a lot of times, you know saying, like what you just said about respecting her views, is like, a lot of times I said, you speaking the truth on a lot of things. But the problem is, is the delivery. <laughs> <laughs> you said that? Dang, you did. And I yeah. told her, I said, it's the delivery. I said, it's the delivery sometimes is, is what throws a lot of people off. It's like, you come hard, you know what I'm saying? And I, I love it, you know what I'm saying? But so a lot of other people, you know, they, they try to, anything that they can be able to say, I don't like this person, they're going to run with. And that's the one thing that people run with is they they simply just disagree with you just because of how you deliver it. Well, that's the shit. And sometimes you can hate somebody so much that you end up becoming that person right and i'm not saying this about amanda seals but like a lot of people in my family who hated trump mm-hmm. right like damn you sound just like him you just on the other end of <laughs> you just on the end of the spectrum and i think trump you know uh yeah he was a flawed and is a flawed person but there was a lot of truth to what he was doing too but people couldn't hear him because you like you said mm-hmm. the, del- the delivery of, of how yeah. he, what he was doing and i'll tell you this bringing up trump mm-hmm. I don't like having a conversation with people because people don't take the time to just think they just like to react. If you listen, if you actually read and research, you know, some of the things that Trump did in his presidency for black people. Yes. Yes. He did more things than any president that ever set that office. Including Obama. Yes. Oh, especially including Obama. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right and that's the Obama. and I, think- I don't have the list in front of me but mm-hmm. just a couple of things that i remember off the top of my head was it hasn't went nationally yet but a couple of cities have been very impacted and affected by it one of the things that he did was is that he signed um he signed them to where they opened up in a couple of cities where in the in the black community um, they opened up little, like, kind of like recreation centers where yeah. people can go in and get educational um, training Facts. for free. Yeah. And also little different other activities for the communities. 
Now, like I said, it's not nationally, but it affected some black communities in the U.S. And he signed a couple other different things. I, I don't he didn't li- brag about a lot of it either. You know what I'm saying? He didn't brag about none of it. Yeah. Yeah, he bragged about all the other shit. Yeah. <laughs> but when you try to sit there and talk to someone about it, all they all they know about is what is put in front of them. Well, it's what is put in front of them on TV. So they're not taking the time out to actually look and, and think about what what he actually did. They just care about the stuff that was put in front of them, and which is right, you know. Saying you pose to put that in effect too, but also just understand that the people that's going to create change for us are not going to be the people that are that look like us or the ones that seem like they're going to ride for us. It's the yeah. ones that's going to that that speak out against us are the ones that have the power um, for us to change. Yeah, for things to change. There's another thing about that too. They're not they they're not pandering to you either. And I think if if a president or a politician in general doesn't pander to you, then that in itself is a sign of respect. Because sometimes people look down on you so much that they don't even feel you're worthy of of being insulted or told the truth. Or they don't feel you capable of being responsible for your own mistakes and your own actions. It has to be somebody else's fault. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think to a to a degree, Trump Trump might have had more respect for us than even an Obama or a Biden. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Who just told us what we wanted to hear to get a vote. Um, there's a certain level of integrity that comes with going about things in a way that you feel is truthful, right? Mm-hmm. It might truth what Trump was doing, but he felt it was truthful and he stood on his convictions and I can respect that. The other thing uh, too is that the reason why people couldn't hear Trump out is because they couldn't separate their identity from the topic. And most people define themselves. That's, yeah, that's black, a good point. Black, can't see anything outside of that. And they can't even view themselves as an individual. Like you're more than your race, you're more than your color. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of people couldn't hear him because the media painted him out to be a racist. We already know propaganda, right? So it's like, all right, if he's a racist, then that means, you know, he don't like black people. And since I'm a black person and I'm so fixated on blackness, that's so attached to my identity, I can't be objective about Trump at all. Yep. And the fa- and and the fact that he was a Republican, like yeah. I don't, I just I never understood this. You know, um, we gotta vote Democrat. We gotta vote Democrat. Like, I'm a history buff. Like, yeah. I love history. Like, that was my favorite subject and still is today. Mm-hmm. And the, and I hate when I hear, especially when I hear, when I hear people, especially younger people, they say, when I, when I talk about different things that happened in the past, they show no type of interest in it. And I be trying to, and I'll be like, man, you don't understand that. Understanding things in the past will give you a clearer picture in the future. Yeah. What people don't realize is that black people in the beginning in the beginning of all this democracy and government and stuff were Republicans. Mm, yes. The yeah. Republican Party <clears throat> was black people. Mm-hmm. It it made a turn, I forgot late, I think it was like going towards like the 40s, 50s, is yeah. when it made its made its turn to where black people became more democrat uh, on the Democrat side. Or liberal, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and I'd be telling people at the end of the day, and just like Amanda even said, both parties don't give a damn about us. 
Mm-hmm. You know, but if we're going to if we're going to make some some form of change when it comes to the vote, people have to understand that the presidency and that they 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 hype that up so much. They hype the presidency so much because they want to distract you from yeah. the people that you're really supposed to be voting for. So they forget about the local and the state level and all of that, right? The senators, the the uh, you know, the representatives, all them people are making all the decisions mm-hmm. that you have an issue with. The president mm-hmm. makes one couple couple little issues, you know, in his presidency. Mm-hmm. Most of them get turned down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of them get turned down. And, you know, and the rest and everybody. And so now you look at the president like, oh, you ain't doing shit, do shit. Well, he can't do shit anyway. He's just the face of the country, right? That's it. He's the representative to, you know, saying to uh, to represent our country. But yeah. the people in the offices are the ones that's making decisions on our lives. And, yeah. and the face of the country is an important, it's a very important yes, task. very important. But, but I agree with what you're saying in terms of where the decision made. I agree. Yeah. yeah, and that's why, you know, like Detroit, the one of the main reasons why the city has been through its ups and downs like it has um, as a whole is because people are still voting in the same people that put us in the, in the city in the position that it's Absolutely. been just because you're going off a name. Yep. You're not going off of, let me see what this person's been doing in their terms. You're just yep. going off of, okay, well, I know the Kilpatrick name. I'm just yep. going to keep going to me. You know, and so that's what happened. That's what's happening with our city. Mm-hmm. You know, I was there when when the city was. Was I still living? I'm when the the big news about the city being broke. Wow, you remember, yeah. you remember that? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I in, but I remember. Yeah, and I wasn't shocked by by that. You know, I wasn't shocked by that. And then the the school system was going broke. Mm-hmm. None of this was a surprise because the same people that made the city broke is now the same people you're trying to empower to get the city out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a vicious yeah. cycle. Makes sense, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that don't make any sense, man. No, but I agree with you. I thought the way you handled the interview with Amanda Seals, because that could have went left, you know, quick, you know, but um, but you handled it really well because yeah. you asserted yourself. You, you yeah. pushed back, did it respectfully because certain people, man, they don't want to necessarily hear a side that differs from their own. And that's the thing that I don't like about society is that, you know, like I could vote Republican, you know, one election and you could vote Democrat and we can still have a conversation. We're both human beings. We both Mm -hmm. still is. We have a job where we want to take care of our families and we want to see our, our families do well. You know, none of us are impervious to losing a loved one to death. You know, so we have so many things that bind us, but it seems like as of lately, uh, you know, politics has been extremely polarizing and it's been doing a lot more separating than than uniting. So I just like it when somebody is able to hear the other side and be objective about it as opposed to kind of stay in their own echo chamber. And it's like, no, what I think is right and what you think is wrong unequivocally. And it's like, no, every conversation I go into, because my father-in-law, you know, he's, you know, Democrat. Right. I vote last time around right mm-hmm. and um you know it doesn't mean i'm a registered republican i can go right. either way 
So, but we have our conversations and at the end of it, we still love each other. We still hear each other out. And there's this sense that we both have an understanding that we could be wrong in a conversation. Like never get to the point to where you go into a conversation not assuming that you could be wrong or assuming that the other person can be right. Because now you're going into it to really try to understand. And the conversation becomes less about who's right versus who wrong, who's wrong. And it becomes more about uh, the mutual elevation and the progression of discourse, right? It's like we're both trying to get the most out of this and trying to gain a better understanding versus trying to pull each other over to the other side or castigate the other person when they don't think how you think. So that's kind of how I operate. And I like those types of conversations. But again, the one you had, man, you navigated that thing like a pro, yeah. man. So props on that. Yeah. I don't know if I would have been able to do it, you know? So I, <laughs> I, I great job. But, yeah, man. Um... Shout out to 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 Amanda, man. I, I have so much love and respect for her, man. That's that's one of, that's one of the homies, man. Yeah. Um, like, and then what you had the like, I had somebody I was interviewing, and our political views are way different. And she mm -hmm. got in on the podcast, and yeah. I was like, I don't want because you you don't want to push back to the point to where you sabotage the interview. So being a podcaster and an interviewer, it oftentimes means like. You know, putting your you got to put your ego down, and, right? And that's what I. So anyway, that's what I respect you for. I thought that was dope. Like, um, one of the things also too, like that you experienced that that I've kind of you experienced on a higher level than me, but as in traveling, mm -hmm. you know, as in traveling, like you know, I didn't move. Like I said, I didn't move to a lot of places in the U.S. I didn't live in different cities. I didn't visit a lot of cities. You know, uh, performing and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. I haven't had the high range of, of visit outside the country yet. You know, like um, only foreign country I you can, I've been to is I've been to Canada. You know, Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm open. I'm ready to start going to other countries. Like I, I can't wait to go to Japan. Like that's the next trip I'm getting ready to plan. Um, saying this is that being from Detroit and seeing you know uh, our youth growing up. And even people around you, you know, saying as you're growing up, I feel like, man, the lack of travel in our in in our community. And I'm just speaking for Detroit. I'm just speaking for Detroit right now. It goes for a lot of a lot of areas, but I'm just speaking for Detroit. The lack of travel, I feel like, hinders so many people that you don't really get to see and experience the different things outside of your your vision because right. if you're just um consuming what tv shows you you're not learning nothing no no like my grandmother for example like i said she's getting ready to turn 90 damn wow from what i've been told she has never been on a plane yet and she might might has been out of detroit one time in her whole life yeah 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 <laughs> Mike. And yeah. When I asked where was it, nobody could even remember. And wow. You know, couldn't even couldn't even remember. And so my for some reason, my they my grandmother did not like to travel, which is is crazy to me, you know. Um, and so I and so like as I'm getting older, you know, I don't have kids of my own yet. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of god kids. I have like six god kids. Oh damn, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like one bad tragedy away from being a father of six, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, 
the person when they when they trust you to be a godfather to their child. That's a good that's a good thing, man. Yeah, it was great because my my best friend, um, he's because uh my best friend, so three of the kids is his. Mm, okay. I have, yeah, I have I'm um the six guy uh, kids go like three of them are brother and sister, mm-hmm. two of them are brother and sister, and then one is 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 by themselves. So they mm-hmm. and they all live in three different cities. Yeah. So three of them live in Detroit. He hit me up one day. He was like, uh, hey, man, I'm going to put you on the insurance policy. And just in case something happened, you know, you know, you you can take, you know, the kids that be coming with you and you and y'all have something to help take care of. y'all." I don't want to talk. Huh? Is this a- you said what? This a black man. Yeah. Shout out to him for the insurance stuff. You know, a lot of us don't don't navigate well in that department and then once something happens you know the family is left to figure out what to do with everything and oftentimes has to kind of foot a bill so shout right. out to him for, but i'm sorry man no you good and i just wanted to start crying at that moment because i'm like i'm like man i it was something that i never i didn't think about yeah you know, that's it, those life is is real moments like wait yeah. we ain't got all the time in the world to be here we all gonna die at some point right yeah and so that made me emotional. I'm like, man, you know, like, damn, that's, <laughs> oh, I felt like an adult at that moment. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I, what I was getting at was I wanted to be able to start getting in a position to where I can be able to, you know, um, take them on experiences, mm-hmm. show them different things, you know, not just, you know, of course, their parents is gonna, you know, do, you know, do that too. But I want to be a part of showing them different experiences, showing that it's more to to, to the world in life than eight mile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my first time getting on the plane was when I went to India. I had never uh-huh. been on the plane before, and that's why I did it. I had other job offers, but I was like, hey, I get to go to another country and live for six months. So it's it's one thing to travel somewhere, but it's another thing to live somewhere and become, you know, immersed in that culture. That's why I would even recommend like studying abroad or anything that will get you to go out the country for an extended period of time, because, you know, it'll give you a different, um, it'll give you a different appreciation for America. You know, most of the black people that I talk to and I know they have a, a, a disdain, like a hatred for America, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, perfect but america is far from the worst place right and every yeah. place they have a history right and there's been a lot of atrocities and, and murders and massacres committed everywhere mm-hmm. you know you know there's no country on earth that has a clean past or a clean slate so being able to go somewhere else and actually live there for a minute i'm talking about in india and i was in areas where it was kind of third worldish right uh and then you get to come back to America, juxtapose it to what you just saw in India. Man, I remember I got off the plane after that six months and I literally kissed the ground, right? So a lot of black Americans, in my opinion, uh, and I'm not trying to be critical uh, without somewhat being productive about it, but I guess one constructive critique is that we don't have a, a, a frame of reference uh, the same as maybe some immigrant coming over here from like Mexico or something. Mm-hmm. So they come look at opportunity. They ain't thinking about like negligible, uh, you know, obstacles like racism and all of these things that, yeah, sure, they might matter a little bit, but it ain't stopping nobody. If you really want to succeed, 
you'll find a way to succeed. So they have a different frame of reference. So they come over here on a mission and they come over here with a certain level of gratitude and appreciation that black people who are from here, but have never experienced anything worse, don't have. And it's like, yeah, you might think you poor over here, but poor means something completely different in some of those other places. Yep. And if you don't try to uh, do that for your kids, show them those things and they can run the risk of growing up and being just as bitter and, and resentful as a lot of the black Americans we see here today have succeeded and still for some odd reason hate the country and don't acknowledge the fact that their success is a big reason uh, or it's, it's largely based on the country that they're at that allowed them to be able to have those opportunities. You know, so it's like, it'll be constructively critical of a place, you know, but you can also have some sense of gratitude at the same time. And I think people don't understand the importance of being able to, to operate in both spaces and have that duality. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're exactly right. I tell you this, um, that people in, in the black community, one thing I feel like they, they struggle with is other, a lot of other communities that, especially since I've been living here in LA, because um, I'm being around a high his, Hispanic um, population, is working and moving with each other. Hmm. Like, it was crazy. Like, uh, last week, I got to go see the uh, dermatologist, right? So I was hmm. calling to make my appointment. And when I was on the website looking at the list of doctors, I only found two Black doctors. Hmm. So I put in my request for one. They tell me, oh, he's retired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then the other one, she, um, they were giving me the runaround about her, saying something about her, but whatever. So I'm, so I'm on the phone, and I'm like, well, what other black doctors do you have? And the girl on the phone is looking at, it's sounding like, why does it matter? That's how mm. she was giving, that's the type of energy she was giving me. Like, yeah. well, I'm just going to assign you to a doctor, and you go see him. No, I want a black doctor. <laughs> Just like one of the reasons why I need to actually get new glasses. I need to go to go to the uh, get a new prescription. Mm -hmm. I haven't found a black eye doctor yet. Mm -hmm. I want to be able, I, you know, and so I, I purposely do all of that until it's no no result, you know, to the end, till I can't have no uh, no other options mm -hmm. because I want to work with my own. I want hmm. to be around my own because yeah. I feel like when I, like I have a, like my primary care doctor, he's black. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I go to someone that at least looks like me, they will understand more about what I'm going through versus someone that doesn't. Mm -hmm. And when I see these Hispanic communities, like one thing that always drove me, that not drove me crazy, but made me just wonder is, how do some of these guys and, and women come from uh, Mexico, don't speak a lick of English, and survive mm -hmm. here? Yeah. It's because they didn't build a community to where they can thrive. Yeah. You know, they have they have it to where majority, a lot of these jobs out here, you've got to speak bilingual. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they force all that. So yeah. I just don't, so it's like, man, it's like, why can't we do the same? Yeah, you talking uh why can't we do the same? Like, I feel like, but then I know I'm about to let you get your point. This no, no, like, yeah. I and then I also feel like when we do try to work with each other, we make it harder for each other than we do for anybody else. 
yeah. for ourselves. You know, black people make it harder for black people than we do ourselves. I, I it just puzzles me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's um I think when you talk about Hispanics, right? A lot of times when they come over here and they can barely speak a lick of um, English, they're trying to figure out how to navigate out here mm -hmm. and have to band together because they all going through the same experience. Yeah. The, the black community is that it's different. You know, you got like you can't you can't assume that another black person has shared the exact same experience as you. So sometimes like there's a huge benefit to practicing group economics. But the downside is that I somehow become confined to the group or a slave to the group or inhibited by the group. I mean, mm -hmm. you think about X and you are, you know, a history buff, like Malcolm X was trying to expand his thought. You know, he wanted to grow. Now, Malcolm X knew what type of group he was getting into. He knew what would happen if he spoke out against that group. He was full aware, fully aware of the consequences. But at the same time, you know, once he started thinking his own thoughts and being an individual and started exploring different things, traveling to Mecca, seeing people who shared the same religion as him, but had different shades of skin, it opened him up. And he couldn't he couldn't be that, <laughs> you know, because right. because it went against the group. So, you know, it's cool to move like a group. But the minute that you go against the group, then they discount the individual. You know what I'm saying? So it can be somewhat restrictive to a degree uh although there are many benefits like the ones you just spoke of the downside is that when you prioritize the group over the individual the individual he, he gets this you know he, he he gets reduced so to speak and it's like yo what's in the best interest of me and my family and my household may not necessarily align with what's in the best interest of the group at any given moment so i need to know that if if that doesn't happen if at some point they don't align you're not going to just you know, outcast me or throw me out to, to die and, and starve and hang. Because even with Malcolm X, I think I was watching, uh, what was it called? Uh, the one with uh, Forrest Whitaker. Something. Oh, now, you're talking about Godfather of Harlem. Godfather of Harlem. Like, Which is a dope-ass show. Yeah, well, right. That was a great show. They was paying all of Malcolm X's bills. <laughs> you know, how true that is to the story. But once he deviated from the group, like he could barely survive because everything was in the nation of Islam's name. And I'm not saying that bad or say anything disparaging about Islam because they've done a lot of great things for the black community. But I'm just saying that just like there are benefits to moving like a group, there's also a downside to it too. Once the individuals, uh, once what's in the best interest of the individual doesn't coincide, coincide with what's in the best interest of the group. Yeah. I had to hurry and grab the charger. No, you all good. <laughs> My I, I didn't realize the charger wasn't plugged up. Last time about to die. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's you made a great, great, great point. And I even I didn't even think about that aspect that you, that you had just put in there. It's a conundrum. It's not that, that's the thing that I was always this guy named Jordan Peterson, a clinical psychologist. He said that there's no, and even uh, Thomas Sowell, he's like the world renowned economist, researcher, educator both of them admit that there is no perfect path. You kind of have to pick your poison. So no matter what path you take, there's always going to be trade-offs. So even if you think, you know, the, you know, black people banding together and practicing group economics and working together in harmony, we can think that this is like the perfect utopian situation for black people, but there's a downside to it. And there's a downside to being somebody who doesn't care about the group and just wants to kind of do what he wants to do and say, hey, I don't 
practice group economics. I don't want to necessarily uh, worry about doing things to build up the community, like both ways, pick your poison. So, and that's something that people don't do often because they don't evaluate each thing. They just go with what feels right because they're so very Yeah, you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that's a good point. If it sounds like a good idea, we'll go with that, but we don't actually think about, you know, the, the consequences of going down that path. It's like, because it works for you until like you an artist, you might want to get to the point to where you start doing some different shit. And then all of a sudden you do something different and now they calling you a sellout or they calling you a coon or they calling you this. And now you're not even allowed to think differently. So it's like, wait, what, how come we can't appreciate the group, but also appreciate or prioritize the individual at the same time? Yeah. All, and what's so funny with you saying that is because I was just uh, talking to somebody last night when we was at the comedy club was I love Detroit. Yeah. I'm from Detroit. Like people just don't, don't that don't know me don't understand. You know, because you, you're from there. I'm from Seven Mile and Ryan. Yeah. Born and raised. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Up and down them streets my yeah. my whole life, you know. Grew up yeah. over there. Just to give people context, Seven Mile and Ryan ain't no joke. It don't get no... <laughs> they don't understand that the Persian is called... Their, their, um, their school name, the nickname is the Doughboys. <laughs> people don't understand that. I, w- I was an East Side Cowboy. In the Pal League, <laughs> let you know the middle school had metal detectors. Damn, they let you know out of when you come from elementary, you uh-huh. go to you going to the to uh far away. I think that was that, that was the name of it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You got metal detectors, my dog, at middle school. <laughs> Every yeah, other week, you got some a picnic because somebody then passed away. Like I yeah. grew up in the streets. Yeah. And what I'm getting at is, is that as much as I love my city and everything, and yeah, I got some funny quirks about me, about me in Detroit. You know, that's just because of how I was raised, but you know how I was raised. But I never 100 felt as an artist embraced by Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I mean is, is that well, what you just saying, like the differences when it comes to um, individual, is that Detroit is a city, is and I won't I, the best word I can use is kind of like the typical like black experiences when it comes to when I'm just speaking about comedy. Mm-hmm. We're for some reason is like the majority is trained to feel like the raunchy, explicit. Um, type of comedy is the only form of comedy that's supposed to be funny. Yeah. And I'm like the total opposite as a comedian when it comes to that. Yeah. You know, I like to go, when I go on stage, you know, I like to, you know, I I like to, you know, take my time. I Mm. like to enjoy, you know, being in front of you. You know, I like to kind of like um, a Dave Chappelle or George Carlisle. Like you like to talk I like yeah, to yeah. talk. I like to really get my thoughts out. I'm not going up there and as soon as I see somebody in the crowd with a shirt, <laughs> hey, you and no, 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 this and your shirt, 
look like my nephew's shirt. You know, I'm not that's just that's not me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's not I'm not up there to roast, you know what I'm saying? I'm not a roasting comedian, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like to, you know, I'm not a comedian that sits down and writes out, you know, writes out jokes. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have my ideas, my topics, you know, and I take it to the stage. But I'm not coming up there with, you know, with jokes that I've sat there and wrote out for hours and nothing like that. But I'm coming up there to to really talk to you and, and tell you what's really going on in my head, mm-hmm. you know. And so I always felt like I never was 100% embraced in that. So yeah. when so once I left the city and start getting a little bit more success in other places, mm-hmm. you know, I always, you know, love coming back to my city, but in but I never when I have came back and done stuff, and not saying that I did bad or anything, it's just that I never really felt that 100 percent embraces. Absolutely in my city. But I also feel like Detroit's also one of the places where um you don't get really embraced until other people other cities embrace you first. Yeah. You know, it's like when you get start getting that notoriety elsewhere. Is then like, oh, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, we fuck. Oh no, man, I, that's that's my cousin right there. You know what I mean? I I knew him when when he was ten. I ain't never met you in my life, my dog. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I always felt felt with Detroit. I love my city, man. I love coming back. I love my bread basket. I love my Coney Island. Yeah, I love it. And I'm going to rip Detroit till I die, mm-hmm. you know. But you, same time, but you can at the same time understand that if I want to grow, mm-hmm. then I have to do this elsewhere, I have to be able to experience other things. And I think people think that it's like either or. No, it's I can exist in both spaces. I can love Detroit and appreciate it for making me who I am. But I can understand that I wouldn't have gotten this far in my craft had I not gone elsewhere. And that's that's a big thing, man. Like that's the same thing with me. I'm not gonna sit up here. I'm a filmmaker, right? I've done mm-hmm. web, I've done all types of stuff. Man, when I was out there in LA, I'm talking about best of the best, man. And it was I did a web series. I um and my last web series I did was starring a uh, Javicia Leslie. She was in uh Batwoman. She was the first black, okay. you know, Batwoman of the LGBT community. Okay. Uh, so and. Like I said, there's levels to it. I, I worked with Harry Lennox on my series called uh, The Mirror's Tour years ago. He was uh, five heartbeats, was in The Matrix, all these movies. And literally, I can remember Harry Lennox. He had, I don't even think he had looked at the script before he came to set because he was busy. Mm-hmm. He was busy shooting a bunch of other shit. And he came on set, man. And that was like the gift that I could give to the to the cast and to the crew because they were so enamored by him when he came. You know, they it's not like every day they get to shoot something with a celebrity, right? Right. And picked up the script, man. He looked, I and I had wrote paragraphs. He just I just saw him reading through it. And literally within 10 minutes, he was he memorized whole paragraph. It's like it's a different level, bro. It's like you, I mean, you hear rappers talk about like, yo, I got in the studio with Jay-Z, like that shit is real. Like this motherfucker uh-huh. just came off the top of his head. So again, man, if you want to be able to be the, the best at what you do, you gotta study, not just study people in your city you got to study people outside your city you can't just study people who are black you got to study people who are white i just looked at uh bill, bill what is his name bill, bill burr uh-huh. like it on netflix was great it was good yeah. you know what i'm saying 
but I want to deprive myself of being able to pull from all these different things because one thing about inspiration, one thing about talent, it knows no race. Yeah. So I can't limit myself in that sort of way. But at the same time, I can still have an appreciation for black people, you know, uh, but I never want to necessarily prioritize race over humanity. We're all human at the end mm -hmm. of the day, you know, and that's just kind of how I look at it. And uh, just trying to find that balance, man. But I agree with everything you're saying about Detroit, man. I'm happy that I'm back. Uh, but again, I never fit in either. I was, I'm a, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, a, you know, I was a cool kid growing up. I was always, you know, a popular kid, but I was a little nerdy. I was into, uh, you know, wasn't into, you know, I, I couldn't curse as good as, as other people. You know what I'm saying? Whenever fight was getting ready to jump off, I was scared out of my mind and hope. <laughs> something that I couldn't come back from. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't a tough guy. I was like, please let somebody come break this shit up. <laughs> you know, I just, I wasn't that type of guy. So I get exactly where you're coming from, man. Yeah, hey, what's before you said that, I actually got a joke where I do, where I talk about um, when, I, uh, when I'm dating, when I, when I meet a girl for the first time, I don't like telling them I'm from Detroit. <laughs> Because <laughs> for some crazy reason, she automatically think I can fight. <laughs> All right, I'd be like, nah, bitch, you can get your, we both gonna get our ass whooped. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a, and that's <laughs> like you in trouble. You, in, <laughs> you, de you dealing with the, the anecdotal uh, Detroit black guy. Right. You ain't, <laughs> represent the bulk of the Detroit. You know, gangsters. I'm, uh -huh. I'm, I'm the outlier. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that dope life. <laughs> nothing about it. But, uh, but man, but what you got coming up? Uh, so yeah, coming up, man. I'm doing more interviews. I just had an interview today with a young lady from Detroit. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 oh shit! I better get this right. Amon Milner. Okay. So, she, uh, she's a writer for uh, EXO, uh, Nicole for People Magazine, Shondaland. Her dad is the late, great um, uh, Ron Milner, who was like a famous playwright, man. So I just sat down, talked to her uh, because she was on this show a long time ago, Black and Sexy TV Network. It was a show called Chef Julian, and I've been a fan of her since then. So I'm going to keep interviewing people, man, uh, doing like you said in the beginning, trying to learn how to tweak things and get better at it. Right. Uh, good for me. I don't want to do anything narrative right now because... Mm -hmm. I got a son who's six. I got a daughter who's four. I love being around my family, man. So I just shoot this shit right at home in my basement. Mm -hmm. And I don't have way, but yet I'm still feeding that artistic part of me. Right. So kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, and I'm trying to think just, just, yeah, I'm still, you know, just living life and being a family oriented dude, man. So that's, that's really it. Right. Um, I'm about to say this is that, uh, because I'm about to bring, I always, every time I bring his name up, I got to shout him out because uh, he was super ins inspirational in my career. Uh, shout out to the, to the late, great Kool-Aid. Uh, Kool-Aid, Kool man. Shout out to him. That was my, one of my big brothers, man, in comedy. Um, love you to death, bro. Uh, yeah. Funniest cat to ever come out of Detroit. Funniest comedian <sighs> ever to come out of Detroit. I got to look him up. I never. Oh, you never heard of Kool-Aid? I, I, it sounds familiar, but I don't know. I can't remember uh, a stand bit. I got a look. King of Detroit, man. King of Detroit comedy. You know, uh, passed away a few couple years ago. Uh, that, was, that was my dude right there. But 
this the one to do. I don't know if you ever heard of this cat. You ever heard of Josh Adams? Yeah, Josh Adams. Uh, he's in L.A. now, right? No, he's in Detroit. Okay, I saw him do something at uh, shit, what comedy club it was? It was somewhere. It was over here by this place called Duo. Okay. I can't remember. It was called shit. I can't even remember the club. But either way, I saw him, and I didn't know he was gonna do comedy. But man, he had people in there crying, bro. Yeah. Josh Adams. That's another one of my brothers in comedy. You know, we, you know, we didn't live together, everything. You know what I'm saying? That's one of my brothers in comedy. Wow. Punch, something Josh, punch. Punchline. There we go. Okay. Josh Adams is the second best comedian to ever come out of Detroit. He's good, bro. And we're talking about, we, we're talking about, it's tons of, we're talking about Tony Roberts. We're talking about downtown Tony Brown. Simply, Damn. you know, it's, it's, Ton Mike Bonner, you know, we can yeah. keep going. You know, yeah. it's been so many funny cats, and that's uh -huh. I'm giving them high praise when I say this. The second funniest cat to ever come out of Detroit is Josh Adams. I dispute Um, either either I gotta help you do it, whatever, you gotta have them on. You gotta yeah. be able to sit them down and have and and and, and uh and talk with them because I'm telling you. You might have to let them know, so because you know when I DM them, it's gonna go in that other inbox. So oh no, that's why I said I would. That's why I said I, I would. If, if I gotta help you, I would link it up with you know, link it up with you, um, so y'all y'all make y'all can make it happen. And what you should do is, uh, if you, if you got the time, he got his birthday show, um, August seventh at the new uh, House of Comedy um, Club downtown Detroit. Okay, yeah. Um, to go check that out. So, August seventh. Okay, damn. Let me tell you, I've been doing comedy so long. It's not too, when I go to it, when I do go to a show and pay attention, because I normally not paying attention when I'm at a comedy show. I'm <laughs> just be honest, I'm not. But when I do pay attention, it's not that many, it's not too many cats that actually make me laugh out loud. That make yeah. me just really laugh. Stomach hurt, bro. No matter how many times I can sit and watch him, I'm in tears. Yeah, yeah, his mind. You know, like I tell people this: like people always, you can't put comedy in a box. Yeah, you can't put comedy in a box. Comedy is so many different directions, and so many different emotions, and so many different different um, moves that it's it's not just one thing and no one way comedy is. Yeah. Josh Adams has a mind that's not like nobody is not human I, I don't know how to put it it's not human yeah 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 he literally can he literally can find the funny when they say find the funny out of anything yeah it's not too many cats i know that really find the funny out of anything yeah. and he's one of them yeah and, like, and, the, and the thing is too about him is that he's so detroit too at the same time like you know oh, man. Yeah, like you'll re if you somewhere else and you like you live in LA and you just so happen to see him in some comedy club in LA and you know you don't even know he from Detroit, you know you gonna know he from like you gonna know as soon as he start talking because he's he represents it. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, he literally could be in the middle of a set and you can say something like, "Man, I beat your ass." Yeah, <laughs> like that's Detroit. That's Detroit. <laughs> that's so. This Detroit, man. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, man. That shout out to my guy. Um, like I said, if I got to make that happen, we got to make that happen, man. Oh, we 
that we're gonna do. We gotta have them on conversations, man. And uh shit, we gotta have you on when you come back. Yeah. So we uh we'll try we we'll try to try to work it out because I know I'm only Even there um the next time whenever you have more time whatever because yeah, i know i'm there for a short window when i do come because i literally come in on a friday evening mm-hmm. and then i'm literally leaving that sunday because oh, i gotta go to because i have to go to because i have to fly in i have to fly into vegas that's that sunday and, Damn. I'm, and i'm in vegas for for a week um so yeah but we we figure it out and um and make it happen but cool. uh but yeah but i'm glad that you came on and uh, man, this was a good. This was a good ass. Yeah, a lot out of this kind. I didn't think we was gonna go this deep or this political. So I got a lot out of it, man. I appreciate. Yeah. It. All right, man. So that was. Uh, oh, what's the Instagram? Instagram is uh, Ten Bridge uh, Pride. So T I N B R I D G E P R O D. So short production. Ten Bridge Pride. And y'all know it's Brandon Jordan Comedy. And make sure that y'all like, subscribe, and repost so we can make this uh, channel grow and bring more content to you. That was another episode. I'll holler at y'all next week. Peace.